right. Welcome back to the League Community Podcast, everyone. I, of course, am a Dylan Most Dirty. With me today as uh, guest host is good old Zwill. Say hi, Zwill. Hi, Zwill. Hi, I'm Andy Belford. I work with Dylan on player relations here in North America yeah. you know, at Riot Games, which We'd... is in North America. Thank God. <laughs> You're awful. <laughs> Hey, we have other people here. Can we like? Shift yeah, we'll the focus get we'll now? get in, we'll get to them. That'd be great. I'm done with you. <laughs> All right, but actually, we have a really cool uh, installment for you guys today out there. Uh, so today we have uh, Anthony Reynolds, the head of the foundations team here at Riot, and Graham McNeil, senior writer. Senior writer. As some of you can probably guess, we are here to talk about story. Okay, specifically some of the story stuff that you guys may have actually just seen today on the website related to Mount Targon and some of the. Uh, characters that inhabit it. Uh, if you haven't read that uh, that new site, I highly recommend you go check it out. For those of you that have, uh, we'd like to dive a little bit uh, more into what's what exactly is going on behind the scenes with the story guys today. Say hi, guys. Hi, guys. <laughs> so well, why don't we actually say, uh, hey, uh, Graham, would you like to say hi to the folks listening at home? <laughs> I certainly would. Okay. Hello to the folks back home. Okay. And, and Graham, can you tell everybody like what it is that a senior writer does here at Riot Games? senior writer basically tries to block off as much of his calendar as possible so he can get writing a lot. Uh, a lot of the stuff we come up with needs uh, a lot of text written for it, a lot of story written for it, and my job is to write a lot of that text. Okay, and, and Graham, you've got a bit of a storied background, right? Where, uh, where do you come to Riot from? Uh, well, I come from the UK, and I used to work uh, for Games Workshop in their design studio, writing army books and codexes and then I've spent the last nine years being full-time freelancer writing novels, comics, short stories, game cinematics and all sorts of things and from there to Riot uh, working in the foundations team with Ant. With Ant. And speaking of Ant, what do you do here at Riot sir? Hello, um, this is the foreign accent edition today isn't it? <laughs> it's um, wonderful. Yeah. So I'm the, the PO or the product owner of the foundations team, which is essentially our world building team. So we're like focused on fleshing out the world, the cultures, working out the history of Runeterra, all that kind of cool, fun, juicy stuff. Um, so we've got a team of uh, artists and writers and support staff. Um, and yeah, we get to make up cool stuff, basically. What about um, your background? How'd you get into this? Uh, similar kind of background. So I've also got a background in long form prose with writing novels and different game supplements, um, different bits and pieces for different computer games here and there and tabletop stuff. Uh, yeah. Dylan, so Dylan, nice. do you feel a little bit outnumbered right now that there's three people in the room who've worked on Warhammer, uh, fran the Warhammer franchise and you haven't? Yeah, man. You know, I'm trying to keep my fanboyism in check a little bit right now. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's that's a losing a whole battle. Different podcast. <laughs> I, I totally don't have like five books by by Graham sitting on my bookshelf or anything like that. <laughs> Lovingly, dog only five. <laughs> only five, exactly. The man is a prolific writer, Dylan. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Jeez. <laughs> well, anyway, thanks for coming out, guys. And as I mentioned to the listeners, uh, we're obviously here to uh, you know, given the opportunity, the timing today, dive a little bit more into what you guys have been working on lately, which obviously in this case is Targon. Uh, so what's going on, you know, like Targon, obviously, uh, you know, we've tried to keep this a little bit under wraps, uh, listeners probably, uh, you know, never have any idea about what's going to be next, uh, when it comes to story. Why Targon? Why now? Well, actually I have a question as the non-lore person here. What is Mount Targon? <laughs> Andy, go read the site. <laughs> no, I, seriously. What is Mount Targon? 
what you see, there's this mountain. Okay. <laughs> called Targon. Um, for us, we're really excited about um, tackling Mount Targon a little bit here, metaphorically. Um, it's it's one of those it's one of those places which for us it's there's a lot of opportunity there. It's it's something in our background which have got some, it's got some great characters that we all love and there's the, some great stories around it, but we have never got into it in in too much depth. So it was a bit of a blank slate for us, um, Mount Targon. So there's like there was a lot that we could do. It, there wasn't too much there. Um, it gave us a really good opportunity to to dive into it and start creating something which is truly unique. Um, we kind of started, oh, it was a good couple of years ago now. Um, there was a, one of the artists on the foundations team, Eric Canetti was doing some, just some exploration. Um, he's a concept artist and, um, he was doing some, some exploration around looking at some of our Targon characters, some of our champions, and just doing some different versions of them, like just some sketchy kind of ideas about what potential we, potentially we could do with them or reposition them a little bit. Um, and some of those images were just super striking um everyone that saw them got really really excited and there was a lot more it was kind of bringing in a lot more of the sort of celestial feel to it so looking at some of these characters and going well what if this was almost like a mythological character that you could imagine like inspiration from looking up at the night sky seeing things like constellations the the movements of the the different planetary things in the in the night sky and going you could imagine people look at the night sky and imagine things like that's where a lot of mythology comes from so it's kind of drawing in a lot of different influences to try and do a little bit of a different spin on on um, some of the characters that we already knew. Okay, so really quickly, just to kind of establish uh, which champions we're talking about in, 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 in this setting, um, like uh, I did kind of jokingly ask about what is Mount Targon, but I think there's a lot of our listeners at home who, who may actually not know what Mount Targon is, what it represents within uh, the world of Runeterra, and actually which champs are even from that region. Yeah, well, I mean, Mount Targon is this enormous like Everest amongst Everest mountains in Runeterra and it's remote it's inaccessible it's a place of pilgrimage and along with the the artwork that Eric had done a lot of the existing the current background for champions like Diana, Leona and Pantheon looking at their backgrounds and what the mountain suggested in terms of their character and where they came from, where that the power they had came from, that opened up a huge amount of storytelling opportunity for us because we ha- it, it posed a great many questions. Where does the power come from? What is it? How do you get it? Why them? And that was a, a, an exploration that we, we took with the chant by was for, for those three characters. And the questions that asked unlocked a lot of potential stories for us, a lot of imagery for the artists, and those two working together made a really interesting space for us to explore. One of the things that we really liked was in the, in the existing story, you've got the Lunari and the Solari. So this is where the, the power of um, Diana and Leona comes from. It's like one represents the sun, one represents the moon. One of the things that got us really excited was to go, well, what if there's more out there than just, just that duality? You go, so what if someone could get power from a comet what if someone could get power there's all these different astral things going on up there um what if each one of them could effectively have like an avatar on runeterra what would that mean so that kind of just got us asking a lot of questions of each other and different explorations um which has sort of led us to some really exciting places i think so it's an interesting idea you guys mentioned is uh you know essentially we've got 
throughout the League of Legends, you know, universe at this point, we have various touchstones, which in a lot of cases are are champions, and and they don't necessarily always have the most depth to them, the places they live, you know, either. Uh, that gets to kind of, to kind of the larger question that I'm curious about, and I know a bunch of our listeners are as well, which is just what what is it like working on League Story at this point? Getting back to some of the challenges that that you know have that go from you know having to evolve the story over the course of, of you know seven or so years, especially from a time where it was originally quite different. Just what's it like working in this universe? It's very exciting. Um, it can also be a little bit daunting at times. One of the things that I think is super important is. There's a lot of people that love these characters, and we love them too. Um, so it's it's always coming to it um, from a point of respect. So like not coming in to just go, let's just change things for the sake of changing things. It's always coming from a place of going, how do we build upon what's already there? How do we deepen these stories? How do we deepen these characters? Um, how do we, like, players already love them, but how do we make them really fall in yeah. love with them? You know, like love them even more. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the essence of everything that we've done in terms of the champion updates instead, in this case, is always evolution, not revolution. You know, it's, it's what's the essence of this character? What's the DNA of it that make people fall in love with them? And how can we strengthen that? How can we build upon that to add layers to them, add depth to them and, and realism to what are, in many cases, extreme fantastical characters it's what what do you do to these characters that make them relatable in some way that make them in some ways more human if that's you know what race they are um and it's just finding ways to give extra layers to them and in a way that allows us to develop hooks for future stories future aspects of the you know pardon the pun of these champions going forward um so you talk about like the essence and the strength of the character you know i, I kind of self-professed earlier i'm i'm not a lore guy right like i don't really get into the story of things but in an earlier conversation graham you said you know you brought about the point that you know anybody who says they don't care about lore is just kind of fooling them a little bit and i actually reflected on that a little bit a, a little bit more after the conversation um and you know for example diana is one of my favorite characters to play i really like her um, there's something about her that makes me very happy when a player you know maybe it's her kit maybe it's her play style but what do you think is the essence of Diana that makes me connect with her on kind of that visceral level? Well, Diana's character is one that speaks to uh, a desire for acceptance. I mean, Diana, her character is not originally from Targon. Her parents came to the Targon area and she was she was born on the mountain. Uh, so taken in by the Solari uh, faith, she was very much <clears throat> taught and raised in their 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 tenets and so on, but she never felt she fit in. She's always craved acceptance while at the same time not really feeling that she belonged there, that she was some she was somehow different and didn't quite gel with what was going on. And I think there's a there's a to, to a degree that's something that all of us at some point can connect to. Uh, there's a there's a level where we all want to be part of something, but we're not sure if that's the right way to do it or that, that, that we are the right person to fit in that particular slot. Wow. Wow. I'm, it's I'm, deep, man. It's very deep. Hey, like, I'm like self, I'm getting self-reflective right now. But for thought real, though, like, I've, I've, I've encountered this myself already with, with these new story efforts. And, and, and it's tough, again, because there's so many champions, but I know, it, and so many places. But in this particular case, reading the Pantheon, uh, you know, uh, fiction that just went out, uh, along with everything else, I... 
I, I, re- I, I was consumed with the feeling of wanting to play Pantheon and knowing that the next time I do, I'm honestly going to be more into it. Which is I, fantastic. That's exactly the kind of reaction we hope for. Like every, every one of these pieces that we write, it's really is with the aim of going, what can we write that would, would like someone who loves this character would read it and just go, yeah, that's my Pantheon. He's awesome. Or someone who doesn't play him would read it and just go, actually, this guy's so cool. I really want to play him now. Yeah, that, that's the sort of mindset that we really hope like that's what how we write those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's gratifying to hear that when that actually exactly. Works. You know, we, we it's a sort of a motto almost that, and I've held true to, and all the things that we create over the years. That if you're writing something about a particular champion or a particular army or something, and you don't want to go off and then play it, <laughs> you're doing something wrong. Sure. And you know, I I was writing the I was, I, you know I, the ones I was doing, I was writing them, going yeah, I, I, I could I could go some some of this right now. That's a good point. We hadn't covered that. I believe you wrote two of them, yes? Yes, I wrote the the overview of Targon itself uh, based on all the discussions and explorations we'd had, and I did Diana and Leona. Gotcha. And that uh, that leaves you, you having done Pantheon. Yeah, yeah, Pantheon was my one. Excellent. That's some pretty uh, pretty weighty material, especially kind of in the, uh, I don't know, the, the collective like ennui of the League community itself like diana and leona i think are one of the most celebrated Absolutely. rivalries slash ships slash whatever you want to call it uh, like and, and that was definitely something uh in writing in them and talking with the other guys and gals and the team that we wanted to preserve that because that of those two champions that's kind of at the heart of their relationship that antagonistic uh i you know i want to kill you relationship but that isn't all there is to it you know there's more uh deeper layers to that that will come out the more you read it the more you read one and the other you think wait a minute there's there's connections here that i didn't know before and hopefully we can deepen that and take that further on at some point okay. i mean because we we love the characters and i think it if we didn't then we shouldn't be writing them like it it to me it always comes across you can tell if somebody's really excited about what they're writing um and if if you just feel, oh, they don't really get the character or, or this or this place, you can kind of feel it. Um, so we have to fall in love with these characters, I think, before we can write about them. And if we can't, then we shouldn't be writing yeah. about them. And and we met, we met up with the, a lot of the folk who originally designed the characters just so we could get a handle on the original thematic behind them to make sure that we weren't taking them in a direction that the original designers hadn't intended and that would be contrary to what a lot of the, the fans and the players out there would think it was going to be. Something else that we try and do a bit as well is, I mean, Riot's great because everyone is massive league fans, obviously. So you go, you got the whole place is filled with super passionate Uber fans, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a great audience to, to check text. Uh, sorry, excuse me. It's a great audience to um, test some of this stuff with. So what we started to do is to try and go around the buildings and like work out. So who who is the, the super super fans of Pantheon? Um, and show them some of this stuff and gauge their reaction. You know, is this cool? Do you like this? Is this take the character too far one direction? Um, and I think that's a really good way of just doing a bit of a sense check to make sure that we're not sure. straying too far. I, I can't help but feel it's it's fun for me as someone who's been here uh, at Riot for a good number of years and, and has uh, always been a person who's you know enjoyed story and video games. Uh, I can't help but feel we're starting to get to the point where we're seeing a lot of the payoff of you know some of the the 
the difficulties that we had earlier on in, in transitioning from where, you know, story used to be originally in League of Legends. You know, we made that clearly that decision was made to to move away from really explicitly trying to explain every nuance of in-game action through the story and, and just focus more on just telling awesome stories and really letting our characters be as awesome as we wanted them to be. Uh, do you guys feel that way at all? Is it kind of like, like, yes, this is what we want to be doing and, and happy to, to be there? Yeah, very much so. I mean, I think the the idea that, you know, video game characters are video game characters, you know, and I don't think there's necessarily a literal translation from one medium to the other where you would expect everything exactly as it appears in a video game, whatever video game it is, to be translated exactly into a story, whether that be a comic, a novel, a short story, or what have you. And, you know, there's, there's some, you know... Uh, wiggle room between one and the other but again it's like everything it's as long as somebody in whatever medium somebody reads or plays a character from whatever franchise as long as they still feel that's this character mm -hmm. you know you can you can take a liberty here and there if something works better in prose and than in a comic book or a video game but as long as the person reading it still goes that's still pantheon that's still leona you can you can make those choices what, what's your take, Ant? Uh, I know that you, you've been here for a while. You were here through part of that journey. Yeah, the opportunities I think we have for storytelling going forward are huge. Like we've got a, we've got a world here that we're, we're continuing to, to delve into and deepen our understanding of, um, which is a really exciting place to tell stories. And we've got this huge, big range of characters. Um, the good, like good storytelling is all around good characters and we've got such a big range of them. Um, it's very exciting. Um, it's yeah, I think we're going to be doing great things going forward. Who are, who are your near experience the most difficult character champs in league, to to write for? So far, none of them. But there's a there's a few of the very non-human, very alien characters. I think will be tricky to do something for. But uh, you know, fiddlesticks. Often, actually, <laughs> oh, fiddlesticks, fiddlesticks would be great fun really? to do. Oh, no, no, no. Hey, He'd kudos be, to you. You're more creative than I am. <laughs> someday, you know, and I think sometimes often the the ones that are the most challenging offer the most fun because you've got to really engage that storytelling instinct, that way to find a connection with something like, for, you know, for example, a character like uh, Ramus writing a story from his point of view or about him would be, I think, very challenging because who knows what Ramis thinks or does he talk? What does he do? How does he do things? But then again, I think that's these are the stories that often give you the, the best outcomes because you have to really properly dig into the character and find out what makes them tick to tell something interesting about them. I think the challenge with Ramis would be finding a way to convey inflection in the words, yup. And okay, okay. <laughs> exactly. Well, there would be a lot of uh, thinking. A lot of Remus would be doing a lot of thinking. Well, <laughs> T Terry Pratchett managed it with just ook, with ook. the librarian. Yep. That's true. Wow, so. Terry Pratchett reference. I love it. <laughs> what is it? I love the. I love the. Uh, I love the uh, I'm going to reference a very base show right now, but I love Family Guy, where they have like 
uh, or is it American Dad? I can't remember. It's one of those one of those same uh, show. Uh, same show. <laughs> now, all of his shows are basically the same. Um, but they We're have like <laughs> We're, we are going to get sued. Uh, they have the the baby girl, and it's like the voice of Ian, uh, uh, Sir Ian McKellen, like <laughs> in her head, and she doesn't say anything. But it's Sir Ian McKellen with this like super elegant speech about about like the 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 grandeur of life and love. It's that, amazing. That's Ramis, Maybe man. that's what's going on with yeah. Ramis. Yeah. He's yeah. just so far above that he's just oh, I can't waste my time talking to yeah. these idiots. It's just like elephants, the, the the low frequency that they converse in, we just can't hear. That's yeah. what he's doing. He's trying to communicate but can't get across. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, to get back on track a little bit, uh, I, I think something uh, that a bunch of uh, a bunch of players in general, and I'm I'm assuming a, a high number of our listeners are are interested in, is kind of just the you know the plan going forward. And the, on the gameplay front, players might not know exactly what's coming up, but they get the general idea that we'll be patching every two weeks, and and that uh, you know there will be off season balance changes, that type of thing. You know, we're progressively moving through the champions and updating them, uh, and we have a sense of the same thing on the story front. In that you know we seem to be kind of moving from location to location, clustering uh, you, you know the champions around those those regions in terms of uh, you know hitting them all at once is is that kind of the approach that we have going forward where where players can expect uh, similar things as to shadow and fortune and Targon in, ter- in terms of story delivery or are we kind of all over the place that's a big question yeah it was a big question <laughs> yeah. I have a, you can can you tell I have a vested interest yeah I'm not sure how much <laughs> we can go into this. no I, I, um, I'm talking about all, general all of philosophy the above, here. You know, sure yeah Essentially, it's you know we're looking to find the the best stories to tell and the best ways to tell them, and we have like a a million and one ideas for types of stories in various formats. It's just figuring out the best way to deliver them is still something we're we're trying to work out. Speaking- and in terms of things like bios as well, like like some of our some of our bios need a little bit of love so you go like we're trying to come back to some of those older bios or ones that haven't been touched for a little while or um just there's they're a little lacking in depth um and slowly just come around to doing those ones just to like we've got so many champions um but everywhere champ every champion's like somebody's favorite so yeah you don't want all our players to sit there and go oh i haven't had something for my champion for years you go Mm -hmm. it'd be really nice we're trying to like come around and hit a whole bunch of different champions at different times speaking of of that actually like what regions are you as outside of targon what, what regions are you like most excited to write for like and this isn't a tacit promise yes this is next this is like your personal level of interest with these different regions well, going back to a little bit of what Graham was saying before, I think my favorite region is the current one that we're working on, generally. Um, and if it wasn't, I think we'd be doing something wrong with that region. Um, so in Foundations, what we've been doing is is diving in deep to each of our different regions so to sort of flesh out a lot more of the history and the background, the culture, what do they look like, how do they speak, and all that kind of stuff. Um, having said that, um, I've always loved things around the Shadow Isles. Um, really excited with things like Piltover and Zorn, the opportunities for stories there. Um, I don't know. I like them all. Like, I, I really like there's some great storytelling opportunities around our Freljord characters. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, the Freljord uh, has always really appealed to me because I, I, I love that whole, you know, icy tundra, civil war, barbarians and so on. That's always really spoken to my my inner conan that i really want to <laughs> delve oh, deep yeah. into the, the ice and the drakes and the the long ships at war that, that, that's always really spoken to me but yeah as ant says the a lot of the stuff the, the the world building stuff we've been doing recently has given me a real yen to dive into something for piltover and zon 
Yeah, Zaun is, I think, to me, kind of the most compelling uh, of the regions when I think about it because it's got it's got a real dichotomy to it, right? There is there is very clearly kind of like uh, a, a good and an evil, but like the lines between the two do blur quite a bit. And it's like, you know, the good is kind of considered almost criminal there. And I, I, we got a little taste of that with Echo, right? Um, I really enjoy kind of that aspect of it where there's not, there is not like, a, it's not like, you know, big heroic stories to me. It's like, it's actually more stories of like human nature and kind of corruption and, and the things that go along with that. I thought you didn't you, like stories. I was going to say, no, this is the non-lore non non like, guy. <laughs> well, so, so here, I'm actually going to, let me, let me dive into that a little more because I actually love story. I grew up reading voraciously. Like I read, you know, I started off with like all the L. Frank Baum books. Like I read all the all the Oz books, right? I've read a lot of Terry Pratchett. Um, I've read a lot of the Shannara series, like, um, and like you know, Peretti. I don't know if you're familiar with Frank L. Frank, uh, Frank L. Peretti, but like I, you know, I love really cool, diverse stories. But when it comes to competitive games, like League of Legends, like I have a very hard time. When it comes to competitive multiplayer, I have a very hard time getting into the story because for me as a competitive player, and I think that there's probably a lot of players out there who who identify with this, it's really difficult to to get an attachment to a character on that level when I'm thinking about, you know, min-maxing and numbers and stats. And it's like, like, how do you, how do you actually like, how do you get players like me who are interested in, in that? And I know we touched on that a little bit earlier, but like, how, how does that happen? You write good stories for them. You know, that sounds like a trite answer, but it's really not because even even in a very competitive game, you know, something about a particular character has drawn you to it. You know, maybe it is how they play in the game, but perhaps it's their visuals. Perhaps you read the story back when you're choosing which character you liked, and thought, ah, she's quite cool, or he's quite cool. I'll, I'll play this guy. But I, th I think. At some level, you know, we're all as drawn to story at some level, even if it's just because I like how they got their sword or something like that. Or their VO. Their or... VO, yeah. It's, and that is that is story as well. You know, dialogue tells a story. Whatever, li every line in League of Legends tells you something about that character. Um, and I think every, every part of the story, the background, the color text, the VO, the look, the gameplay style that all tells it's a story of a sort and i i don't you know there's, there's no reason why you can't have and be both you can be super hardcore competitive person that's playing to win and crush your enemies before you and play it like the story you know you can play you can you know you can main pantheon love him to bits as a, as a character and how well he plays in the game Sure, and then you can go and read his story because there's some great stuff about him. You know, there's ants written some really cool uh, bio and color text for him that will, I think, any hardcore Panth player is going to go, "This is great! I really want to know more about this guy." And if we can get even just a hook, tiny little hook of that in someone, then job well done. Because I think I think that's that is really important. Like I think even the, for the players that say, oh, "I'm not really in so much into the law," but they they they've like soaked up so much of it through osmosis. Like they get to know these characters anyway, just through playing them and hearing their VO lines and stuff. So they've already got a pretty solid understanding about what our champs are. So you put that into a, one of those characters into a story, and they're instantly going to know, "Oh, that is that is the pantheon that I know." Or actually, that doesn't feel like pantheon. You know, you'll have that. You'll butt up against that. But I think. 
just through playing the game, you're auto- automatically getting to understand these characters a hell of a lot more than I, I think part otherwise. of it too is is that really you got to get down to the fact that story is so much more than words. You guys touch a lot more uh, of characters these days, essentially, uh, and their makeup and and everything about them than just you know the written story that shows up on the website or anything like that. Like imagine if Garen was just a stick figure who didn't have any lines or anything. Well, but, um, and particularly the guys that are working like on the champs and stuff. Like mm-hmm. there's so much more work that goes into 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 building who a champ is and what do they sound like and what's their attitude and what like what's their the way that they move and all this kind of stuff um there's an awful lot of work there that is more than just like the bio written on a page yeah i mean every, as, yeah, everything you see when a champ finally hits is is literally the tip of the iceberg to all the stuff that has gone into establishing who they are what they sound like what they look like how they play and you know that all of that material is grist to the mill to making that character what they are. It's interesting you talk about uh, how much of the the story uh, like goes into the actual character, even like down to the animations and the art style and stuff. How much? Um, and the reason I ask this is because uh, uh, August Browning, Gypsy Lord, right? Gypsy Lord like, was in here uh, about a month ago or so doing a podcast about Jin, and he talked about how his creative process as a champ designer is that he actually starts from a place of, um, of like having a concept for a character in his head. Right. So how much, how much does narrative like, uh, and foundations, like how much do you all contribute to the creation of that concept and what's that collaborative process like? I mean, the champ guys are probably be able to speak closer to that um okay. so I, I've, I've worked on one champ so i worked on Callista to see that sort of through um but my focus has been on foundations so we're kind of coming at it from a slightly different different side but it's highly collaborative like uh, i think you're going to have one of the champ guys on soon so you'll they can probably talk a little bit more around we grab them every time yeah, every single time <laughs> yeah, cool. well i mean you oh, said yeah. you worked on Callista, um, so like mm-hmm. what was that experience like for you on Callista? super collaborative so it was it's the way that those guys tend to work is um it really is the narrative side of things, the art side of things, and the gameplay side of things all coming together. Um, and they should all be the when that works really well, you get this um, super cohesive champ where each part of that reinforces each other. Um, so you go the the voice of the champ is reflective of how they fight in the game the gameplay and it's also reflective of how they look and all these kind of things they all work in synchronicity to create this fully rounded character um so yeah super collaborative um, so when when you actually like uh when you were going through the process of that was it like you had this story in mind for Callista, and uh the the artist like starts putting out concept and you're like yes that's that's exactly what i'm seeing in my head or that's a version of what i'm seeing Callista started um before I actually came on board. So I kind of okay. picked it up off somebody else who had already started to do that. Um, it started from a story sketch from one of the guys, Odin, I think I believe it was. Um, and he just had this concept for this character. Um, and it was it was just a rough idea, but like the other, it inspired the rest of the team. And that's a big part of it, I think. If you can create something, whether it's a piece of concept art or a, a gameplay mechanic or or a, an idea, a, a narrative, narrative hook, and you can excite the people around you. You go, well, that's that's how these kind of things tend to work. Um, 
you excite the people working on it around you. They get excited in turn. You sort of bounce ideas back and forth, and that's when you get that really exciting sort of bubbling creativity cauldron. Very cool. Sorry, sorry to tangent us so far off topic there. I just there was a really neat string. I kind of wanted to pull at that a little bit. Well, so. it also applies to what you guys are doing as well. I mean, you mentioned that that the latest imagining of Targon has its first roots in art. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, what uh, I think you had talked a bit about what you know, kind of struck you guys there. But let's let's talk a little bit about that. Like, obviously, you uh, you know, you had what Targon, you know, what we knew about Targon in the past. You had what we knew about those characters in the past, and you've talked about fleshing it out. Um, where is where is Targon going in 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 the uh, the, the the wider sense of Rune Terror? Like, what does it represent? What is its place in the world? Uh, well, Targon is very much. Uh, it's kind of a it's like I say, it's a place of pilgrimage in the in the world. You know those. Those who go there are the ones who are drawn to the mountain. It's something, it's a journey that they they feel they have to make for various reasons. And when you get to the mountain, which is in itself an arduous, difficult, life-threatening traveling across, you know, the whole country to get there, you know, journeys of months and years to get there. And it's as much a spiritual journey as it is a, a physical one. And even when you get to the mountain, this thing is towering, you know, it's piercing the clouds, it's tip, you can't even see it. Uh, and once you get there, there's uh, the sense of that this is just your beginning now. Even though you've trekked for years to get there, sacrificed everything to be there, this is just, that's just the preamble to beginning your climb of the mountain. And e even if then, if you have the strength or the, the will to do it, because the climb of Mount Targon is more than just a physical act it's an act of devotion to the mountain itself and most people you know the vast majority of people will never ever reach the top most of them will either turn back die on the mountain or just give up you know or become part of this wandering communities around the mountain uh but the very very few the ones of sufficient whatever will perhaps survive to reach the top because the mountain judges you at every step of the way you are you are not climbing the the mountain as a as a mere mortal you are climbing the mountain being tested by it and judged on every single level on criteria you can't even begin to imagine and the very few the very lucky or blessed or cursed as it may turn out to be few that reach the summit of the mountain well, what happens to them there is something incredible to them. Yeah, as those stories dive into, that's some heavy stuff, man. <laughs> well, it could be incredible to some of them. Like, uh, yeah. One of the ideas is that actually the, the few that get up there, maybe the majority of those ones get there and go, there's actually nothing there. There's nothing there for them. Like the mountain, they've got to the top, but the mountain hasn't opened up to them, as you, as you will. Um, and they just go, I, they're obviously not ready. Uh, one uh, question that this brought to mind for me, and it wasn't originally something I associated with Targon, was the fact that it feels like we've increasingly lately been diving into, I don't want to say, um, the call it uh, the, the, spiritual, the spiritual side of things uh, in terms of, uh, you know, there being other universes beyond what the physical one that we're observing. You know, we've seen that with Bard. We saw that a bit with just generally... Uh, 
uh, the Shadow Isles seem to be a place where that veil is very thin. Uh, and then even now, uh, uh, you know, similar thing happening with Targon, where, you know, in the right situation, someone can see the realm beyond. Uh, that that leaves me with a lot of questions about just what you know the the the, the state of kind of Rune Terra is on 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 the, along those lines. Well, what's the spirituality of Sorry, Rune Terra? Sorry, I'm I'm using a yeah yeah. yeah I, I mean, mean... <laughs> to, to use a slightly more kind of a, a standard term, like what is the spirituality of Rune Terra? Is it you know is it like a higher power type of thing, or is it yeah? And not to like put put like a label on it, but like because that could be anything, right? Well, that's certainly something that we. We talked about in the in the explorations for what Targon was and what lay beyond the veil, the veil. But certainly, that's that story. That's something for another day because sure. you know we don't want to spoil everything just now. Because yeah, there are <coughs> there are greater greater powers at work and around and part of Runeterra that have shaped it in the past mm -hmm. and will maybe go on to shape it. Okay, it's just been interesting to see that that it. Uh... We are, you know, there are there are ways to take a universe where it can be an intensely physical place, but it seems like we've really been diving into the idea that Rune Terra will uh, be fluid, essentially in that way. There are other parts yeah. that we don't perceive. And, and to the it. fact that you're asking that question and wanting to know more about that, I think, is part and parcel of the job that we do. We we don't want to tie every knot behind us. You know, we don't want to answer every single question because a lot of the fun of this is allowing the the players to come up with stories you know you want to give room for the creativity amongst the community to say well i think it's this or here's a story where i've invented a thing based on some of the gaps that have been left in the story and you know it's it's an old maxim of never be too tidy with your backstory because <laughs> yeah. you want threads to pull on at a later date you want to leave gaps that you might f invent something cool that is just the perfect fit for that gap and you want to leave room for the players to come up with their own theories and start discussions about what X might be or Y might be. Because if you have people talking about your background, you've won. You know, mm -hmm. you've, you've got a great thing going on that you've interested people enough that they want to fill in the gaps. They want to fill in what it could be. Oh, I will say you've got me interested in Targon. Like in my head, I'm picturing this kind of cross between Mount Olympus and uh, Mount Everest uh, and Jerusalem to be kind of honest, because yes. with that, the, the kind of like the Lunari, the Solari, um, I don't even know if there are other like uh, factions within within uh, Mount Targon, but it seems like this kind of all at once place of reverence and extreme conflict, which is really kind of interesting to me. So stop messing with our heads, Graham. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> I, I will say this: if the uh, if if the higher power in Runeterra ends up being a five thousand year old god emperor attached to an overblown life support machine, I will be very disappointed. <laughs> oh, now we're definitely getting ten thousand, please. <laughs> ten thousand. Ten thousand. Excuse me. Ten thousand years. I'm sorry. That does get Lord to a police. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you just right, Andy. I mean, you uh, just need to think of all the mythology and all the different interesting stuff in our world and, and like think of like and this is a world that is full of magic and different creatures and all this kind of stuff it's like we can have so much fun with that yeah so because yeah, targon is it's, it's, it's basically targon unlocks the door to a million other kinds of stories you know you can i mean runeterra is a great setting you can have the down and dirty stories in the guts of zon you can have cosmic stories told through the background of Targon and everything in between. But unlocking Targon gives us access to all manner of different new types of story.
So you've mentioned uh, that right now, obviously, uh, given the vast scope of, of what we have to work on here, uh, you know, between all the different regions, all the different champions that, that uh, you know, are so deserving of story, that, that we're really focused on, on uh, you know, hitting some of the problem areas, laying out the foundations, obviously, it's what your team does. And so it necessarily means to some extent we are going to be hopping around, yes? Mm-hmm. So is there a, do do we... Do we see ourselves going further than that, like 10 years down the road? Do we want a a kind of like tight whole universe or anything like that? Obviously, that's not something that's going to be happening anytime soon. Uh, but but is that something we want? Um, one of the things we want to do with foundations, we never want to be too um, restrictive or constrictive. It's like uh, you want to have always have lots of room to go into different directions. So we can we can flesh out the world a little bit more and understand it a bit more and understand the cultures a bit more, but we should always leave lots of areas, lots of room to play, lots of room to introduce new characters, new races, new places. Um, there should always be heaps of room for creativity. So I would never want us to get into a place where it's super restrictive. Um, so... That, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, uh, I, I'll confess, I'm honestly, I'm one of those people who, who like, wants that kind of thing. Like, I want to know the, the geopolitics and all that stuff. But what you said it actually made me remember one of the core things, which is, which is that the champions are the point of the game. And it would be terrible to actually have, uh, you know, in, in such an overly wrought story that, that we're actually constricted from implementing a cool idea. We're like, yeah, this guy's really awesome. We're really excited about this concept. Needs to be a new race, though. Oh, can't do that. No, doesn't work with the world. There should yeah, I mean, always that, be room to yeah. explore, always room for new things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything we're doing is there to inspire that level of creativity throughout uh, Riot, throughout the players as well. You know, we, we want to start, we're, we're use, Foundations is designed to craft a world for people to play in. It's not designed to say, here it is and you cannot change anything of it. And that is the way it is. And that's the way it always will be. It's why we called it Foundations. It's It really is just the foundation that the other product teams and players and everyone can build upon. So it's kind of just like a, a, a sign saying like, Demacia is kind of in this direction. Now go play and create cool stuff. Gotcha. What do you, I mean, what do you guys, uh, what do you guys think of the, of the energy that the community has poured into, into that? Uh, I know, uh, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with North America for the most part and, and, uh, and to, some, uh, to some extent just English-speaking players. But I know in places all around the world, Brazil and everything, they're deeply passionate about story and have created a lot of their own material. Is that something that you guys really want to be seeing? It's, it's amazing. It's humbling. It's always exciting. Like seeing the level of passion and people wanting to spend time creating and, and playing around it. And you go, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. It sounds like that's actually what you want. You yeah. Know? Like oh, yeah. You, you, are... you make the sandbox and you want people to play in it. So that's absolutely, I mean, you, you see some of the, the numbers of people who, you know, read posts, post on them, view the YouTube videos and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's mind blowing the kind of numbers you, you're looking at here. So yeah, it's, it's, hugely inspirational humbling it's it's all all those things and more by the way graham in the context of the league of legends community sandbox means something completely different just danger now the podcast is getting shut down oh. um <laughs> really messed up i've got a question uh for for both of you we talked we we kind of jokingly talked about earlier about you know both of you being kind of prolific writers and and having been doing this for a long time, telling telling stories in the prose form, Graham, you've obviously explored other other uh, uh, mediums. Uh, and I'm not 100 uh, percent familiar with all of the different mediums you've explored. But as as writers, and as we are delivering a lot of our 
um, a lot of our new storytelling in the prose form. Do you feel like this is still the right way to do this, especially considering that like in today's day and age, you know, people have an attention span and we have metrics to prove it of like, you know, 45 seconds, right? And if it goes beyond 45 seconds, they immediately click away. Is this still the best way to tell a story? I'm glad you're here as well, because that's the harder version of the question I was going to ask. I'm, I'm clearly fanboying a little too hard. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm obviously biased in this regard, but I still fight, think that prose is a, an absolutely valid Long form prose is an absolutely valid way of telling a great story because the, the depth you can get into in a story like that is beyond what you can get in almost any other medium. Right. Having but, said that, well, okay, go ahead. Sorry. sorry, having said that, I think the different kinds of stories that we are, the thread, the kind of threads and arcs that we, are, we would love to explore are designed more in the case of this is the story, find the best medium for that, whether that is in comic form, prose form, audio, splash art, MoGraph, whatever. Um, I, you know, like I say, I'm biased in my personal preferences for prose because that's, you know, that's the thing I love doing the most. But I think, if, you know, it's if, you know, if you build it, they will come. If you, if you write a good story, people will want to read it, you know, because the more you write that is engaging and, really plays to the strengths of the, the universe and the champions. People read it. People start talking about it. Other people want to read it. Well, what's this What's this thing these guys are talking about over here? Well, I should probably go and read that. And, you, you know, you, you tell good stories and that will, by its own quality, bring people to it. So outside of the written word, what what medium are you two most excited about? Well, I mean, I think about stories, and it's the same sort of stuff that I think gets a lot of us excited it's like we don't stay with one form like i go well what sort of how do i consume stories you go well i read comics i play games i watch movies i watch tv i read books i read magazines i'll read stuff on my phone you go none of these things uh mean you can't do the other ones you go they're all awesome yeah, in their own way parts. yeah and i think um certain stories just work better better in different mediums so you go some stories really work better as a visual thing um some stories demand to be like a huge big weighty epic tome that you need like weeks and weeks and weeks to read um other ones work really well in, a, in as a five minute little round nicely neat story um i think all of these things are, are cool like and i don't think like Pursuing one doesn't mean that we can't pursue in the other directions. I mean, there's a parallel with with this podcast, in fact, and some of the other stuff that our team is working on, which is that League is so big and the community is so varied and 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 so deeply passionate about so many different things that that not everything has to hit every single player either. And and there's there's an awesome side of that, which means that you can hit some players, you know, really hard in terms of those things that they're really passionate about consuming. It's like you said, prose is not going to be for every player. Um you know, things like videos might be more widely accessible, but there are still so many players that do want to see that prose as yeah, well. And, you know, we want to cater for, for everybody's tastes. Absolutely. And I've spoken to players that, like, love the world, love the characters, are not great at playing the game, but they want to have other opportunities to, to experience these characters and play around with us. You know, they love some of the stories. They love some of the things like the Echo, Echo comic, um, different ways of, of absorbing some of the information around these characters. Some yeah. of our best cosplayers that we've seen out in the community don't play the game. Yeah, and, and all these different things allow different entry points to mm -hmm. the game. You know, the game is a way in, the stories are a way in, and there are, you know, there's plenty of 
uh, licenses out there where there's game, there's books, there's comics, and not everybody partakes in all of them. But as I said, each one is an equally valid entry point to that franchise. Now look at look at Marvel. I mean, it's one where I guarantee you the vast majority of people who are fans of like the Avengers films and of uh, Iron Man films and whatnot, like none of them have ever, ever even like touched a comic book. Like I would say, I, I I'm being bold with this assessment, but like I would say the the overwhelming majority of those people, like because as a comic book fan, it's like if those people were out there buying comic books, the comic book stores would be a whole lot more busy and like a <laughs> lot more a lot more of them would be much more successful, right? So yeah, I, I hear you. Like you know, not every single medium platform is going to be for everybody, but the important thing is is that we're providing yeah. enough options. There's a way in for anyone, whatever exactly. you're preferred method of consumption is absolutely so we're going to wrap things up but i, do, I am curious about one uh, you know getting back to what we were here for which is obviously uh this this cool targon drop that just happened what what is the little element that you guys are most excited about you know the favorite uh, little line you wrote or or just the thing that you're most excited about players learning about these characters just little things what are you excited about for me i think it's the fact that the world just got a whole lot bigger the idea that this is not just uh, an, a terrestrial world, that there's there's a lot more to it. Absolutely. I mean, I asked the question about that. I was definitely excited to learn that. What about you, Ant? I was going to say the same thing, so you stole my <laughs> line, really. Um, Figure something out. <laughs> um, I'm always excited to see players' reactions to, to new things like this because it is it is a development and it's... Um, we're building on something which is already there, but there's also some things which are perhaps a little bit different. So it's always kind of exciting and a little bit scary to see, so are people going to embrace this or or not? Um, I always find that exciting. Yeah, it's, al- it's always exciting and daunting when you put a piece of that you've written out into the world. Because, you know, none of us, none of us put anything out there that we're not proud of, that we not we don't think this is good. People are going to love this. I think they're going to really get this. But you never know. You know, some things you write that you think are the best thing you've ever written. Some people might hate it. Some things that you've written that you've struggled with, you you're, you think it's good, but you're not sure. And everybody loves it. And you never know. And that moment of finding out what people have responded to. And a lot of the times that will be something that you never even thought of. You know, you'll have written a particular line and it's just part of the, the larger whole. Sure. And people will seize upon, oh, that particular line, that. And they, they take that in directions you never thought, never intended when you wrote it. And that that's finding how people enjoy your work or, or not, or how people interpret it and what they take out of it is always exciting because in almost every case, they take meanings from things or interpret things or run with it in directions that you didn't intend. But when you look at it, you think, actually, you know what? Yeah, I could see how you'd think that. And that actually adds something really interesting to that character. Because, uh, you know, every, every, once they're out in the world, they you know they belong to the players after that. You know, they can take that and run with it any way they want. And finding out the directions that they, they're going to take something in is, is fascinating to watch. Absolutely. Anyway, want to thank all of you listeners out there for coming out to uh, to listen to give us a listen. Want to thank uh, Graham and Ant obviously for taking the time to come talk to us about this. I know you guys are super busy, uh, and yeah. So all of you out there, make sure to listen, subscribe, like, follow us. Tell me how bad I am. Tell Andy, of course, how great he is. Uh, at least that's what he'd like to think. Uh, and we will be back next week with the uh, the next installment. Until then, take care.
Thank you. Cheerio. Bye bye.